If you're a parent, teacher, or school leader, and you're sick and tired of the frustration, anger, and unfair treatment of children at high risk in our public schools, then perhaps it's time for all of us to do something about it. In this podcast, Dr. Amitra Berry brings you tips, tools, strategies, and tactics to build successful solutions while touching, moving, and inspiring all of us to transform our schools so that every child thrives. Here's your host, Dr. Berry. Hey there, my equity warriors. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm glad we could come together again today. If you haven't visited AskDrBerry.com, just know that that's where you can go to tell me about an educational injustice or just ask a question. You can do it in your own voice and you will hear back from me directly. Some of the things that are shared with me through AskDrBerry.com are pretty mild. Some are easy questions which I can respond to immediately. Others, like the one I'm going to share today, are enough for me to come straight into the studio and record a podcast. Again, one of those days. So here's what was relayed to me uh, from a high school educator. So there was a black female high school student who was discussing a new tattoo with a classmate. Her male teacher, who was reported to be racially ambiguous, asked this student, if tattoos are visible on black skin. Now I have to stop here for just a minute. You can turn on any professional sporting game, NFL, NBA, MLB. You can look at a music video. You can look at television, you name it. There are black people all over the place with tattoos, black people of multiple shades. So, I don't know what rock this teacher has been living under, but there you have that. The student responds to that question, are tattoos visible on black skin, with yes, they are. And the teacher continues on to say, you're not that dark, but if a darker black person gets one, can you see it? Do they have to use some special ink on black people? By the way, This young lady happened to be the only black student in her class. This was a public conversation held in front of her peers. Let me count just a few of the ways in which this whole situation is wrong. In the first place, it's a male teacher asking a female student questions about her body, violating her body autonomy. Secondly, There's the issue of colorism, dark-skinned black people, light-skinned black people. Third, for lack of a better thing, I'm just going to call it the general ignorance. Do they need to use a special ink? She's not a tattoo artist. She's a child, a child entrusted to the care of a public school system that you are employed by. Again, where is this person living? Or... Worse, what does this person consider to be their privilege that they can do this? Ask these questions to a child. To put her in the spotlight, in a classroom, in front of her peers, asking her inappropriate questions about her 
body. Now, better or worse, maybe the public nature of this conversation is for the better because it ended up here and we can address it. Now, I firmly believe that the vast majority of teachers come to work every day to serve children. Now, I said the vast majority. You've probably heard my story about um, toilet scrubbers, if you didn't. Uh, go back, I think that was episode three, probably somewhere in there. Um, and then, of course, there's my high school trigonometry teacher, who I won't publicly name, but anybody who went to high school with me knows who I'm talking about. And then, of course, there was my eighth grade English teacher. Both of those people specifically seem to um, legally violate HIPAA, although it didn't exist back then, but to sort of get joy from humiliating students in front of the classroom. But I digress. Most teachers, I do believe, are there to help and serve children. So we have to consider that there is a tremendous lack of cultural awareness and cultural competence on the part of some educators, maybe many educators, but some, like this one person, who also feel that they don't need to be concerned about cultural awareness or cultural competence. Um, I have a, a, an educator cultural awareness knowledge and skills survey called the ECACS that we use in workshops that help teachers to understand where they have skill gaps or competence gaps. We also have to recognize that we need to do work on overcoming ignorance that comes, that stems from a lack of having meaningful cross-cultural relationships. Now, sometimes you'll hear folks say, but I have black friends. But drill down into that. Do you invite them over for dinner? Do you hang out at their house, at your house? Do you go to church with one another? Or do you just know some folks who happen to have some melanin in their skin? So we have to overcome that ignorance that, that comes from that lack of connection, true connection, meaningful connection to people of other cultures and races. And then, of course, there are the, the numerous consequences that come from living in a country, in a society, and, and working in systems that are built on racism, and particularly in school systems that have yet to tackle the issue of systemic racism in their schools. So we have adults and children that are systematically being exposed to ludicrous racial ignorance. And there is harm that's done to the children harm that comes from, from having people who believe um, or having the audacity of the idiots that are so steeped in their privilege that they can't either see or they don't care about the racist, genderist, classist behavior that they engage in. Now, I went and looked at teacher education, teacher prep programs. As I've mentioned before, my mother was a college of education, teacher prep program professor. Um, and I know what her stories were, the challenges that professors face, but 
there are very, very, very few teacher school programs that that actually teach pre-service teachers how to deal with race and racism in their school, the how to how to gain cultural awareness and cultural competence. Now, in teacher prep programs, they are generally race evasive because 70% of teacher candidates, those entering the workforce, are white. I looked and looked and looked, and I, I have to say that there were very few systems I could find that even offered a course on race and racism for teacher preparation, let alone require it as a competency for graduation. Now, if you're in an urban ed program, now urban ed has its own. Every time we say urban, there's a negative connotation to that. California does have some some um, systems where they are particularly focused on race consciousness and understanding racism, being anti-racist, going through teacher preparation program. And there are some coalitions that are out there that are offering technical assistance to schools of education. So if you are a professor, a school of ed professor, and you're listening to this, reach out. If you can't find those, those sources, go to AskDrBerry.com. Let me know. I will put you in contact. So looking at schools of ed specifically, because this is where, you know, for teachers, we're coming out of schools of education for the most part, although there are alternative tracks to get there. Um, and I found some interesting numbers. And that is that 55% of all ed professors are women. Almost makes sense. 69.5, of those school of ed professors are white, 10% Asian, little under 10%, 9.8% are Hispanic or Latino, and then 7% black or African American. Hold those numbers in your head for a second. I'll double back onto those. We look at our student population, 45% white, 28% Latino, 15% black, 6% Asian Pacific Islander, 5% multiracial, 1% indigenous. I couldn't even find a percentage of indigenous school of education professors. I couldn't find it. Hispanic or Latino school of ed professors, less than 10%, but our Latino population in K-12 schools is 28%. So there aren't enough. And black African-American, remember school of ed professors, 7%, students, 15%, so twice as many. There aren't, there isn't enough representation in schools of education by people of color training teachers to come into systems to work with students of color. And we know that students of color having teachers that look like them. We go back to those four, the, the four equity measures and think about representation, right? Impartiality. And we know that having teachers of color does tremendous things for student achievement and student socio-emotional wellness. It's just good stuff to have. But even teachers of color still need support in cultural awareness and cultural competence. But I digress. If we think about this student and their story, and we think about intersectionality, there are at least two, maybe three, marginalized groups that this child belongs to. She is clearly black, that's one. Female, that's two. And from what I know about the school system that she attends, she's probably lower SES because they're, they're system-wide Title I. So the behavior, this situation that she was stuck in, 
is about racial domination, class domination, and gender domination. The teacher was clearly not black, racially ambiguous, okay, but clearly not black because they're asking questions about black skin. And we know that on the racial hierarchy that exists in these United States, white's on the top and black is at the bottom, has been since the beginning of this country. Racial domination, um, and if you haven't, go back and listen to the episode I did on slave auctions in schools. So secondly, class domination, class domination. Just because you're educated doesn't mean that you are immune from being complicit in supporting classism, racism, or genderism. And that is exactly what that teacher did. And then of course, gender domination, we know the oppression of women and girls. So this teacher's privilege, their level of belief that there were no ramifications for doing what he did. His privilege in benefiting from a system that allows that behavior to exist. This warped, sick, and twisted sense that he is better than that child and can harm her in the ways that he did. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. As equity warriors, we have to do the work going into those systems, raising awareness about these things, keeping our ears peeled to find out what is happening that is harmful to children. If you are a leader of a school system, if you're a board member, a superintendent, a principal, HR, What about establishing a base level of racial literacy for the educators within your school system? What about providing mandatory training on racial and cultural awareness? Having systems that promote teachers' ability and willingness to identify and disrupt racism, classism, and genderism, and educating all people, but particularly white people, on how whiteness operates in school systems. Supporting inequity through racist, classist, and and patriarchal acts is a problem. Being an equity warrior is about recognizing and opposing those systems. So be a warrior and join me every week. Send your questions, questions, topics, and requests to AskDrBerry.com. And you know, as exemplified today, I will answer those questions, I will address those topics, and I will bring you experts to help address them as well. As always, don't worry about things you cannot change. Change the things you can no longer accept. Have a great day. That's it for today's episode of the 3E Podcast. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Dr. Barry herself. Be sure to head over to 3epodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Barry's gift. Then join us on the next episode.